Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Sound Out Wave, the first podcast to reach planet Earth from Cybertron. I'm Nell, and I'm great at Transformers. And I'm Greg, and I suck at Transformers. This week, we'll be discussing Robots in Disguise, issue 5, and More Than Meets the Eye, issues 4 and 5. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to start the show. Yep, me too. Okay, Robots in Disguise number five. Yeah, art by common, Andrew. Man. Colors by Josh. Yeah. Written by John Barber. Good old, good old stuff. Uh, this Iron Iron Ironhide. Yeah, yes. he's my favorite. Oh, that's sweet. I like. I that. love him so much. I was in like within these first two pages. I was like, okay, this guy's the best. Uh, yeah, we got Ironhide narrating this one. But so yeah, so what do you like about him? Well, just as like catch up, we've basically been. Dealing with nothing but horrible situations for like yeah. four issues and True. nobody's enjoying themselves. Everybody is no. like completely oppressed by everybody else. Everyone's in a bad situation. And Ironhide is like, Hey, guess what? We're home now. We're back on Cybertron. This is the craziest yeah. thing. And I'm so happy about it. Um, and he's, he's going out and like trying to figure out what's up with all of this stuff on Cybertron. Um, and he's just looking toward the future. And he's like, everything's going to be okay. I checked. Yeah. Which is very much your same attitude. <laughs> yeah. You are constantly I... assuring people that you've seen the future. Well, and you know that everything's going to be great. It's, um, it's not that I've seen the future. It's just that I've done the math. I figured mm, out what's going to happen. So you're like Ironhide and Prowl's baby. Maybe. Without Prowl's evil or maybe with. Right, could be. I haven't really realized. <laughs> Sorry, Prowl, I love we'll you. We'll get to that in the third <laughs> act of my life. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but you're right. And what I think is interesting about that, and why I wanted to ask you what you liked about him, is because this is kind of a new era for Ironhide. Not that he was ever, you know, at the same kind of thought we see, like Bumblebee being in this new era for Bumblebee. He, even in this second page, you know, he's kind of saying, Whatever, there's a new ship. I don't want to go with Starscream yeah, and Metal like, Hawk to Metal go Hawk greet this guy. Already out there, they'll deal with it. Right, like I don't want to go. Put up with them. <laughs> so Ironhide, though, used to be. I mean, you can tell. You know, he's a bigger bot. He's a he's a strong guy. Sure. Um, he's done his fair share of talking with his fists and asking first, or ta- moving first and asking later. Um. Right. So, you know, really just sometimes very pig-headed, very, you know, just yeah, he, he's, this is what he's going to do, and yeah. you are in line with it, or you're in his way, and he's going to punch you in the face and get you out of his way, and that's literally how he's treated Prowl, <laughs> how he's done to Hot Rod um, back in the day when he was still called Hot Rod. Um, but I, I, I'm with you, though. I like this. He's very, he's much more zen than yeah, he he's was. very at peace with himself and with everything. And yes. this issue is pretty much about like all the things you just said it's it's sort of an exploration of his past and what caused him to change and he mm-hmm. basically had a, a spiritual awakening and he did he, even he recognizes that sounds kind of dumb but like right. he died and right now he's back so that now he's probably back. has an effect on a person yeah because issue 30 31 of ongoing so this happened right before the issue that was the death of optimus prime there was an entire issue that was just set in the future and it was Ironhide's 
vision of the future. And it was so far ahead. And it was essentially like old bot Ironhide. And like they see this huge statue monument to Optimus Prime. But yeah, it was essentially Ironhide seeing. And this is his assurance now that we see from him now that he's like, no, everything will be fine. Like he's seen what happens. Yeah. Cybertron's great. Cute kids exist then later. And by kids, I mean bots who look exactly like all the other bots we see now, (laughs) but they're younger. They weren't in the war. Um, so, but yes, so that's, that's what is, it's referring to this new Ironhide. That's where that kind of happened was just really a few months prior to these issues. Well, and I mean, there's in my notes here, I write down that Ironhide's the smartest guy in this comic right now because like, these three little insert thought panels are, it's not about, it's, it's not confidence, it's understanding. I've learned that it's all about disguise and change. And I'm like, finally, someone's starting to talk about like the identity of what Cybertronians are and the fact that their very nature is that they have two modes in these sort of Yeah. He says, what's, we Cybertronians hide what we are from each other and from ourselves. And when we look right at something, we can't even see how it's changing. Like, that's a pretty fucking profound thought. It- it is. And it's so interesting still to see it coming from Ironhide from somebody who's known him for years. <laughs> it's still really like, oh, yeah, that's that's Hyde talking now. Um, <laughs> so like, but I like it. Yeah, I got super into this guy. I get uh, it. And then we, we cut to, of course, Metalhawk and Starscream greeting the ship that just came down. Yes. And uh, Starscream, and was... just so fucking good. What a <laughs> hilarious piece of shit. I love this guy. I know. He's just amazing. Of course I love this guy. Like, it, this this shark jet guy walks out and immediately he's like, Starscream, you're a killer. You're, you're a conniver and a liar and a Decepticon. And Starscream's like, I love this guy. <laughs> And then he immediately acknowledges in the next panel, you can see it's in a tiny little type, but he's like, <laughs> yeah. you probably ought to deal with him, though. Like, yeah, like, he's like, I like him, but you walk. you do it. <laughs> because, yeah. Starscream you know, is, like, outright flattered by the description. Right. Like, oh, yes, I am all of those things. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, he's pretty great. So, yeah, we have Skybite arriving, and as he says, he's been on his own. Um, and Skybite's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. We, we see more of him interacting with Ironhide for good reason in a bit. But there's a, a one page, and I think it's like the only page in the issue where RC shows up. Uh, this page here where RC is sort of talking to Prowl. And yes. And it's, it's, it, it said to me like, okay, we're going somewhere with the RC stuff. Yes. Uh, I, this, this page gave me a lot of confidence because she's confronting Prowl and saying like, you want me to go kill Dirge? And he's like, I don't, that's not really what I want. And she's like, yeah, it is. And I'm not going to do it because I'm not your assassin. Um, and he, so it, again, it's sort of vague as to what Prowl's initial intentions were with Ratbat when right. she killed him. But this is basically her saying like, Hey, I'm not going to do everything you tell me to do. I'm willing to help right. you out when it benefits me as well. Um, sure. And then Which she I sort of Batmans away from him. She does. She Batmans a lot out of here. Um, cause right. He's still talking when he turns around and is like, wait, what? And she's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, I still do. I'm with you though. It's still a little confusing. My note even says more confusing discourse starring Prowl and RC. <laughs> um, and she does say, I'm not a psycho killer. And my note then says, you could have fooled me. Yeah. Um, cause that's kind of the impression we've gotten from her so far. Um, right after she talks about torturing someone for six years. Um, so that's, 
But you're right. We are seeing more from her. Um, and you're also right in thinking that, right, like, they're they're working on bringing her a little bit more to the forefront. Because right now, she's been in the shadows. We've only seen her with Prowl. Yeah, it, it gave me a sense that at least they're, like, they're going somewhere with this. There's a, yeah. there's a plot laid down, and we'll see more of it. Yeah. Um, and then we get Metalhawk introducing our friend Skybite. Right? Yes. 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 To a, a bunch of other non-affiliated bots, and mm-hmm. he's he's basically like, "Wow, stuff here fucking sucks." Yeah. Um, he's appalled at what he's hearing about the Autobots because he was under this impression, I guess, that. Well, that like they were '80s TV cartoon good guys, right? Absolutely. Um, so hearing about, especially the identity or the ID chips, yeah. um, you know, he's really appalled by that. Yeah, he says uh, he he asks a little bit about the Decepticons. To say he he seems like surprised that Decepticons are allowed to walk free, and yes. he's told that they're not. And then he says, "Primus, the Autobots sound just as bad." Uh, and uh, so then Tap it. Feel, yeah. it's like, yeah, oh, you thought, you know, you believed in their inherent nobility. Because it is that idea that, like, oh, right, the Autobots are the quote-unquote good, good guys. guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he reveals that he's a storyteller and poet. Yup. Kind of adorable. <laughs> it is kind of adorable. There's all these, like, hard, like, ABC primetime drama jobs that, like, <laughs> this guy's a lawyer and this guy's a... a, a doctor and a cop and yeah like a a guy who's a a bard (laughs) it's true though yeah because even on the next page right he's doing the last four yorick exactly yes (laughs) and ironhide shows up and he's like hey you know what i get it we fought way back in the past uh you're a Decepticon, I'm an Autobot. You know what the story is. Go talk to the Decepticons. I'll talk to you when you're ready. And I'm going to leave it to yourself to figure out. And no other Autobot would do that. Like, oh, everybody right. needs to convince everyone to be on their side. Whereas yeah. Ironhide doesn't care. He knows how this is all going to turn out anyway. You're right. Even my sweet Angel Wheeljack, I don't know if he would have been quite at that. Like, because clearly we know, we've seen, you know, he's talk to Starscream and been okay with that. But I think, yeah, he would still be a person who would want to persuade people to kind of, you know, come with me, come listen to what I have to say. Um, Whereas, yes, Ironhide is, you know, talk to people that you knew, go and... Yeah, he he at least is projecting the idea that he's like above all of this. Yes. You know. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I want to point out before we do move on the... um, when he is um talking to him and I think it's cute when um Ironhide when Skybite says that he's composing a poem and Ironhide says, Is that where the <laughs> words sound like each other? Which is adorable to me. That's pretty that cute. <laughs> he didn't know the word rhyme, which then Skybite tells him and then when Ironhide is saying, That's the word and then he says he knew a little guy who used to um do that all the time. He's referring to a character named Wheelie. For people who have seen the '86 movie, he was in that. Um, but he he would rhyme, always yes, he always spoke in rhyme. Everything he says, <laughs> he'll say one thing, but then the next sentence will rhyme with the first sentence. And um, but yes, that's who he's talking to in that panel. For anybody who might have been confused by who he meant, the very um, '80s thing to do. <laughs> yes, and Wheelie has shown up since then. Um, we've seen him in the IDW storyline. We will see him again in this. Um, in this specific kind of run that we're in right now. But, but yeah, then, just uh, thought I'd toss that out there. I appreciate it. 
Uh, and on this next page here is one of my favorite surprises of the whole issue is that Sky Bite, I thought he would like turn into a jet that kind of had like shark stuff painted on him. But no, he kind of just turns into a shark. He's just flies. a flying shark. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's <laughs> like one of those balloons. Shark. Yes, that's, that's exactly what it is. You're correct. Good I was Lord. at some convention and there was a guy dressed as the really cute robot from Fooly Cooly. And he had one of those, like, flying shark balloons with him. <laughs> and I don't know why, but it was adorable to me. And he was, it's like, had his controller and was like, oh, <laughs> here's my flying shark. And it was really funny. Sure. Um, but that's essentially what Skybite is, is that flying shark that you can order on television late at night. Perfect. And Ironhide wants to be friends with that shark. <laughs> He's like, I will dial that number. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've got my visa out now. Uh, I am over 18. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Skybite is still a little apprehensive of Ironhide. He he recognizes, like, we fought before. Like, we yes. have not done well. And so he's he, he doesn't believe that people can change because so far no one's proven that they can. Like, yeah, he's seen a lot of the same. Transformers history. Yeah. But uh, so... He he sort of leaves on this note saying, like, old grudges don't die. And Ironhide sort of says, like, in a, a private thought bubble, that, like, he he has no reason to believe me that basically nobody does because my story is pretty insane. Right. And the fact that he understands, though, why Skybite doesn't believe him because old right. Ironhide would have done the exact same thing. Old Ironhide would have been like, nope, nobody can change. But new Ironhide, since this vision, is like, nah, people can. We're all good. We'll be okay. <laughs> and so then we go to Ironhide talking to his good buddy Blur here. Yeah. Um, and, Who's still injured from before. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he his mode changing is difficult. He says the term CR tubes here at one point, And I didn't know what that was until I read more than meets the eye. So. Yeah. They, they, for some reason, that comic has a little footnote that explains it. And this one does not. That's funny. You're right. So, yeah. We'll get to that point. Sure. Um, but uh, walking through, Blur is like, well, I had this offhanded idea to, like, open a bar. <laughs> and uh, Ironhide is like, well, yeah, you should. And he's like, well, I don't I don't know if I would do it on Cybertron. This doesn't seem like the place for it. And Ironhide basically says, you know what? This is the exact perfect place for it. There are a lot of bots here who aren't the Decepticons that live in the canon and aren't the Autobots who live in this fucking citadel that need a place they can go to just be bots. Yeah, which is really yeah, great. It's, uh, it's it's good of Ironhide to sort of perpetrate. Yeah, and and Blur even says, "Do you think so?" And Ironside and Ironhide says he knows so. Ah, uh, what a what a sweet boy. <laughs> it is very sweet of him. Um, which is yeah, it's so funny to hear. Which I mean, you're totally right. But yeah, to hear the the words, "Oh, Ironhide, what a sweet boy," <laughs> spoken together. I'm like, whoa, yeah, you're right though. He is being such a sweet boy. Um. And then, so then, uh, yes. Right. Then we get Metal Hawk and Starscream showing up at Autobot <laughs> headquarters. And this has one of my favorite panels that, uh, basically they, they call and they come to Bumblebee and they're like, you know what? This guy just made us realize these ID chips that you're doing aren't very cool. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he says, look at Starscream. He's a perfect example of how a Decepticon, even one of the worst, and Starscream goes, hey now. <laughs> right. Like, it's, just quiet. Just like, yeah, not a big deal, but like, like, hey, I'm, come I'm on. in the room. It's, <laughs> 
And he's like, even Starscream can turn around and be a good guy. And Starscream protected us when there was a situation that was going to start blowing people up. And Starscream says, like, you know, we all tried to kill each other once. And right, which like, I love. Starscream. Because, like, because Ironhide says Skybite's reacting like, oh, Skybite is reacting you know, strongly towards the ID chips because he used to be a Decepticon. And then he says that Skybite tried to kill him once. And Starscream's response is, who hasn't? Which <laughs> Bumblebee takes to be like a stab at Ironhide. But Starscream then is like, no, literally, we've all just been trying to kill each other. Which is why Starscream's just amazing because he just tells it like it is and yeah. he doesn't care. <laughs> Well, and I mean, that's exactly like the world that they have to live in is like all of these guys are soldiers who fought against each other and everyone who isn't is suffering because they won't work together. Yes. So it's (laughs) and then Bumblebee kind of tries to go find Prowl and Prowl's not there. Right, Prowl's not there when he tells him to get these idiots out of here, which is maybe (laughs) not the best way to talk about the people you're supposed to be working with in trying to rule a society. Um, But yes, so where's Prowl? Um, But before we know where Prowl is, we see Swindle hanging out with Skybite. Right, explaining like all of the stuff that has basically happened over these last couple issues, that Ratbat Ratbat died and Constructicons got killed and all this wild stuff happened uh and that dirge is basically hiding out with them right now yes so we see that this is where dirge is um and swindle brings up some really great points while he is kind of catching skybite up on the happenings that have been going on you know he's trying to be like hey be wary like because ironhide told him to go talk to some decepticon so we assume he found swindle and you know mm-hmm. it was it, swindle's one of the guys he was talking to um and of course, just before this, the Constructicons did get their heads blown off by their sure. ID chips. So Swindle kind of brings up the fact that like, oh, isn't it convenient? The Constructicons did all this work to rebuild the city to like do work for, you know, Autobot High Command and sure. the people in charge. And then they got their heads blown off. Like, Seriously, oh, not that being useful. Yeah. Like, well, they did their work. Now they can go. Um, which is at least how Swindle is seeing it. And that's kind of how he's, you know, portraying it to Skybite, who you can see in these pages is very, you know, he's shocked. Yeah, he's shocked. He's, he's upset, which makes sense. You know, this isn't the Cybertron I'm sure he thought yeah, he was coming I, back to. He thought the war was over. Yeah. I mean, it is, but that's just the beginning of stuff. Right, right. Um, and then at the, the very end of that page, going into the next page, we see that uh, Prowl, this is where he went. He was trailing, uh, and that's not good. Right, because the two bots that we see first are Streetwise and Sideswipe. And we, yeah, Streetwise is kind of like, how do you know that this is where they went? And Sideswipe is like, I had a nail tell me where they went. I just told them I was trying to track Skywarp. Because apparently all the non-affiliated bots hate Skywarp. Right. Um, so that was where they had seen Skybite moving and that was how they kind of got their information. So we see, yeah, Streetwise and Sideswipe are moving in. And they're all kind of whispering to each other and... The Skybite, you can see in this panel, kind of gets this idea that, like, maybe Ironhide has tricked him. Sure. That uh, Ironhide was just being nice so that he could trail him into a Decepticon yes. or something. Right. Like, follow him and get to whatever, get to, you know, Dirge and whatever the Decepticons might be trying to keep away from the Autobots. Um, 
And yet, like Skybite even says, we were talking, and someone else says about what? Your stupid poems. <laughs> Which, you know, poor Skybite. Nobody wants to hear about his poems. It's upsetting. Um, I'll listen to your poems, Skybite. <laughs> I might not uh, enjoy them, but I'll listen. You know, I, I bet he's pretty good. Um, and then immediately there's Prowl. There's Prowl. Hey, I have a gun, and I'm going to aim it at you guys. Yup, and he's telling them they're under arrest. Um... And yeah, we see Needles, Needle Nose, ugh, Needle Nose was also down here, right. um, with Dirge. So I assume Needle Nose was just kind of staying with Dirge when Swindle brought Skybite down. Um, and yes, yeah, so then this big kind of giant fight, fight breaks out. Yes. There's, there's fire and lasers and there not good stuff. is, yes. Needle Nose uses like a fire th- flamethrower, which hits Streetwise. We can see poor Streetwise just <laughs> on fire. Um, and then, so yeah, they're shooting back and forth, and Skybite is, you know, now like, okay, Swindle was telling me the truth, and it's all just kind of a mess. Um, yeah, and not they're going all well for anybody, not for anybody, because even we have Needle No saying, "You Autobots never change; the war never ends." So we have these, you know, Decepticons who don't want to let go of the idea that the Autobots are their enemy, and the exact same thing, vice versa. Like the Autobots are just waiting for the Decepticons to do something bad, but when you're just waiting for somebody to do something bad. You're just expecting yeah. the worst out of them, and yeah. You'll, you'll use anything they do as something bad. Yes. Uh, uh, and so he captures Skybite here, uh, and yes. he's demanding to know where Dirge went, and this is just com- like confirming every fear that Skybite had. Right, absolutely. Um, They have... Who else does he have? I know he has... Uh, oh, does he have Needlenose, too? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, he says Needle Nose is going to come here quietly, right? Needle Nose, and then he just growls right, at him. Right. So they have yes. And Streetwise is on the ground. And he goes, "I ow, I got shot by fire." And Prowl says, "You're okay." <laughs> Walk it off. Yeah, like get up, Streetwise. I'm sick of your <laughs> shit. Um. So yeah, so we can see they have Needle Nose and Skybite arrested, and Swindle and Dirge have made it away, and R.C. is seeing them go. Right. She's sort of lurking in the, the back here. Yes. So we don't know if she pursues, because we cannot see what happens after that. Um, but then we do now see the Decepticons being taken out, and Needle Nose even says, you boys know a different set, a different door? Like, he's like, is yeah, there someplace yeah, else we can leave? This is not going to go well. Yes. And like Sideswipe said earlier... The unaligned don't know what Skywarp looks like, and we have this guy here saying, that must be Skywarp, let's get him. Which is just ridiculous. Like, why do they assume every Decepticon is Skywarp? Well, I forget if it was in here or in... uh... Oh, it was in More Than Meets the Eye. There's Genericons, and they basically, there's, like, bots that people cannot tell the difference between. Yes. No, you're right. That is true. We are about to get to those dudes. You are right. (laughs) Uh, But basically, a riot breaks out because the unaligned bots are like, fuck that guy. He, you know, beat up one of our guys. And we get another nice little trash can bot. I, yep. My notes have a big, all caps, little trash can. (laughs) He's got rocket boosters. He does. And like a a big, long, weird arm. Yeah, like he's got long arms. Um, maybe it looks like that might be a pole that's being kicked into him. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. It's like a, almost like a parking meter. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just now noticing that. Um, It it has to either be like super fun or super frustrating and tiring to have to draw robot scenes like this. Right. I, for me, it would be so difficult just because robots aren't my forte. Um, but I just, you know, having watched these guys 
work even a little bit. And in fairness, I haven't really gotten to sit and watch Andrew draw. And even the drawings I've seen of Josh Perez and Alex Milne have been very quick and just little moments of me like not wanting to be a total creeper, but wanting to watch a little bit because I find it fascinating to see other people's techniques. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I, like I said, to me, it would be very hard, but I guess if you just are really great and really efficient at drawing robots, it might be pretty fun, especially when you can just make them up. Yeah, I mean, it's a a super impressive level of detail. Like, I know I've read Marvel and DC books where this would just be a solid wall with like vaguely humanoid shapes in it. Yeah. Right here in the middle, there's a guy who's attacking Prowl and you can see the reflection of Prowl's lights on this guy. Yeah, which is, I'm going to, some Josh work, Josh Perez, I'm going to keep calling him out because he's my friend. That's impressive. Uh, Good job, Josh Perez. Way to go. There's another little coloring thing later on that I was also going to call him out for because it's beautiful. Um, not that it all isn't, but sure. little little things in particular, you're like, oh, but look at that. Look at that little detail. I love it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we have this fight breaking out with all these unaligned bots who look super cool. Um, Ironhide shows up to be like, you know what? I'm ending this. Yes. And this is, and this is what Ironhide is good at. Like, this is what yeah, he does. He he's gets in and he, yup, he busts things down. Like, he even says he used to be a bodyguard. Like, this is, this is old hat for him. He, he knows this scene. He's been here before. And Stopping the fight. Skybite is sort of talking to him during this, and he's he's like, uh, you told them about me, and Ironhide lays out the situation. He's like, I know this is bad, but I swear I was not trying to, like, have them trail you. I'm, I'm, I'm an Autobot. And so Prowl is like, good, good work, Ironhide. I can take it from here. And he's got his gun out. Yeah. And Ironhide's like, no, you're not going to kill this guy. And he steps in the way, uh, and he's like, so we sweet. need to protect these people. And it raises a super Super excellent point that Prowl has not been protecting anyone. He's just been punishing. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, and Ironhide says, we can't live like this. Metalhawk's right. And I hate to say it, but Starscream's right, too. Um, <laughs> Which I know is like just... Just the worst thing, like I, all I of know. their mouths are like just never wanting to say like, okay, well, Starscream was right. If Starscream was in the room, he'd be like, hey now. This <laughs> is poor Starscream. I love uh, him so much. I would just want him to do well. I do want to point out on that panel where he mm. says, you know, Metal Hawk and Starscream are right. We get a great shot of this little trash can. Oh, yeah. Looks like he's got some, uh, like he's, this he's one looks like a trendy. Yeah, absolutely. Of of little trash cans. Yeah, like of that gang. He might be the same guy as on the last page. Yeah, I I guess he is. Yeah, so I think there was only one little trash can in this riot. Sure. Um, And it's Shades. The fact that they kept consistency of the characters in the background across the Like, bravo, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm super into Shades. This little guy. Give me just give me a full series of these guys. But that'll be my contribution to the Transformers. <laughs> uh just the entire franchise is a story just called Little Trash Cans. LTCs. And it's about all of these little bods. I love these guys. Uh, and so then we have Ironhide saying, like, look, we gotta get rid of the ID chips. And Prowl's like, Are you fucking nuts? <laughs> Prowl cannot believe what he is hearing from Ironhide. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and then Ironhide basically is like, it's not your call to make, it's Bumblebee's. And Bumblebee... and I love this next kind of exchange between the two, the two warring thoughts now that come up when talking to Bumblebee regarding what his choice will be. Yeah, and it it both Ironhide and Prowl are like saying, do you really want to be the bot who frees the Decepticons? And Ironhide's like, you could be the bot who frees the Decepticons. Exactly, which I love. I love that. Yeah, it's... Fantastic. This This whole series is so good at coming up with these really great, like genuine political difficulties that come mm-hmm. in post-war time. Um, and then we get to McAdams' old oil house. Yay! Which I was so excited. So this is actually <laughs> like an old standing thing. Like this is, you know, a staple in the franchise is McAdams. Because, um, yeah, it was like the bar. It was like the Cybertronian bar forever. Um, so the fact that that is what they brought up again in IDW, and this is what Blur has now reopened, under, under new, new management, management. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, it, it's just it's exciting to see it. And you're like, oh yay! And, and you get to see it open. for literally two panels before Prowl breaks a table in anger. <laughs> Prowl and tables, <laughs> you'll see. It, it's it's a thing. Prowl has a thing with tables. Um, so yeah, he just breaks the end off of this one because he's so just full of rage. And Blur is immediately like, no, we don't do that here. Like. Yeah. Blur literally steps in and jams his arm in the way of him. And it's like, don't even think about it. And Ironhide says, ooh, and this is actually the other thing I wanted to put. Look at how pretty that drink is that Ironhide is holding. Oh, man, this bottom I'm so there. into it. Right? Like, I want that drink. It yeah. looks beautiful. I, I imagine it would kill my fragile human biology. but <laughs> You're probably right. But yeah, no, it's so beautiful. Congratulations, Josh. It's lovely. Great job. Um, <laughs> but what I love here is that Ironhide even, well, because we have Blur saying this is a safe place for everybody, um, which I love. I think that's really great. Um, and then Ironhide tells Prowl to, you know, cool it and have a seat. And then he does. And I love that. Like, I love I that know. Prowl does was, sit down. I was down totally expecting this next page. I was like, they're going <laughs> to fucking fight. No, Prowl sits down like, fine, I guess. <laughs> and he's sitting next to Skybite. Right, like, Skybite scoots over, lets Prowl have a seat. <laughs> it's adorable. And then... Uh, uh, He's, he's like, why, he's talking to Ironhide and he's like, why are you so confident? What is, what has changed about you? And he explains, like, I had a vision. And he's like, oh, yeah. The face Prowl's making in that, <laughs> oh, really? You had a vision panel is so great. Like, yeah. that's, that's a good one. That's a really great illustration. This is why we read Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he says he saw the future and everything's great and there's a new generation of Autobots and the, the, this planet that is dead right now is not dead in the future and everything's good and Blur, or it looks, not Blur, I'm sorry, Prowl says, what about the rest of us? What about Cybertron? And Ironhide says, I said it was peaceful, Prowl, because in the future, the rest of you and all of your grudges are dead. Which is a really heavy way to end this comic. Yeah. And that makes me think, well, maybe you shouldn't be that zen about it. <laughs> I mean, it, right, because you think about it, you're like, well, I mean, so if his vision is true, he knows he survives. Um, sure. <laughs> his friends apparently all die. About. Right. I assume Prime is dead in his vision just because he saw that, like, memorial to him. But I don't know. Maybe it was just a statue, like... Hooray for Optimus Prime. Sure. <laughs> I don't know, though. In what we saw, the only... I could be wrong. I haven't actually reread it in a long time. But the only, I think, 
current robot that we see then in the this future vision is Ironhide. Hmm. Um, so I know, because like, yeah, we don't see old Wheeljack where I'm like, Wheeljack would make it. He'd be fine. <laughs> They'd be old pals. He'd Wheeljack be so would be fine. He knows what he's doing. He totally does. He's too smart. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's Robots in Disguise number five. Sure. Made it through I the... mean, they, they don't let up in that book. No, they don't. Well, and, and like we were saying earlier, it's such a different feel between Robots in Disguise and more than meets the eye, which obviously we'll get into here in a moment. Um, but yes, that one's very much, you know, just a ton of bots that we know that we've known for a long time. And then a few new ones, you know, like Skybite, like, sure. you know, Tap It and Needle Nose who aren't, who, you know, haven't been front runners. Um, and people like Metal Hawk and Little Trash Can. Um, and, and I like that, you know, but it is very much this political drama, this, rebuilding of a world and how you deal with that yeah it's it's definitely a, a straight up you know action drama type thing mm-hmm. uh and then moving into more than meets the eye guy <laughs> is writing in his journal and he's like oh i'm just nobody don't worry about me <laughs> yes we open with first aid <laughs> and it's, it's a very different tone it's yes Stakes very much are much lower to begin with uh, right uh, apparently you, you, right, like it gives that impression. Yeah. Um, so yes, we open up with first aid, writing in this journal, and it, yes, we're just getting what he's what he's writing down, saying he's stationed on. Now, how how would you pronounce that? Delphi. Yeah, Delphi. Is that how you would have said that? Yeah, that's. I mean, Delphi is that word means something in the real world. I mean, right. it's like it's a like Greek the, place, right? Right. The Oracle of Delphi, apparently. Yeah. And I learned this just Delphi? at TFCon. Yeah, the Brits say Delphi. Well, that's because they're dumb and don't know <laughs> words. Good. We'll never get them on the show. <laughs> no. You know what? I'm calling you out right now. It's aluminum. It's color without a U. Uh, and no one knows what Vegemite is. That might be Australia. I don't know. Same I thing. I think that is Australia, but I still don't know what it is. It, uh, it, Australia is very clearly England. Let's <laughs> let's make no it's mistake. England's here. prison. It is. Um, but yeah, because my note even says open on first aid stationed at Delphi. Parentheses. The Brits pronounce it differently. Because <laughs> I was like, "What?" When they said it, because I had two Brits on either side of me. I had James on one side and Tori on the other, and one of them said Delphi. And I was like, "What?" I didn't know that's how you pronounced it. Well, and they were I... like, "Well, what do you say?" And I was like, "Delphi." They were like, "No, like the Oracle of Delphi." I'm like, "Yeah, we call that the Oracle of <laughs> <Yeah>. Delphi." <laughs> I mean, there's a Greek letter, and it's pronounced Phi. But I wonder if there it's pronounced V. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I'm Not everyone saying. is a governor. You don't got to all refer to them as, as government. You know, come on. <laughs> Take off the weird wigs. Oh, yeah, they do wear those weird wigs in, like, court. Yeah. Anyway, so there's there's our opener um, for this issue is how to pronounce Delphi. How do you pronounce Delphi, sweet listeners? Um, write in and first and uh, just write the word, it. which will tell us nothing on yes. how you pronounce it. Do you pronounce it Delphi or Delphi? D e l p h i or D e l p h i. Oh my goodness! All right, so yes, yeah, so we have first aid journal, first aid writing in his journal. Um, and yes, he's at this, um, he's stationed at this medical facility. We get that he's a nurse. He used to be a doctor. He was demoted because he was accused of erratic behavior and obsessive compulsive tendencies. 
um, by by good old psychologist Rung. By Rung, that I remember, whichever one. Yes. But Ambulon is basically like, look, I can't, I can't do much with you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> But apparently he has, like, some huge amount of Autobot badges. That reference went over my head. Okay, so this actually started in um, Last Stand of the Wreckers, in the text stories with Last Stand of the Wreckers, which is where it gets very niche and where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to talk about it because I don't expect everybody to go and read all these little tiny things. But they're brilliant. If you do ever get a chance, go read (laughs) Last Stand of the Wreckers. Go read all the text stories with it. It's brilliant. Um, first aid while, when writing this is very sure that like, they're all about to die. Like, yeah, that's, that's Delphi's about to go down. To say. Yes. So that's where we're opening is rewind or first aid writing this like last journal entry, um, while he's stationed here. So then yes, he's been accused of having an obsessive compulsive tendencies. And I'm trying to remember exactly what was said in Bullage because I don't want to say too much. Um, but essentially we can see on that thing, that like panel where it's just a bunch of Autobot badges and the one that's been shot, we can see it has like a bullet hole in its eye. So this idea came up in the text stories from Last Stand of the Wreckers that there was like a mole working in the Decepticons and that he would send information back to the Autobots very specifically by putting them in data chips or whatever in a bullet and they would shoot an Autobot right in the eye of their Autobot symbol. Like, right. So like, so essentially first aid has that has since then been looking for. So when he gets a patient, he obsesses over their Autobot badge and where they've been. You know what I mean? So that's where now they're like, well, First Aid has a problem. Like, he, he cares a lot about somebody's auto brand and whether or not they've been shot in it. But that's why he's looking. And this all comes up in this text story. So that's just a little behind the scenes thing, which I don't think is too, like, that same idea kind of comes up later. But th- what we get out of that, that text story, I don't think comes up specifically in this book. So that's kind of a, it gives a little information to everybody who then wouldn't otherwise know why he was looking for the Autobot symbols and where they'd been shot. There you go. So uh, that's an exclusive right here. <laughs> Unless you read. Nope, they don't exist outside of this. Nope, I I wrote those stories myself. Yep. Um, It's my freaky fan fiction, and (laughs) that's what happens in it. Uh, And so he's he's dwelling on the... uh... The idea that Delphi is is pretty much going to not be around in a couple of seconds here. Right, because uh, he says that they are on the edges of DJD territory. Uh, before we get into like the, the real heavy stuff, I do really like this one little text insert. of I'm just typing whatever comes into my head now. If I get a chance, I'll come back and add all the silly details later. Uh, because I'm, I've, I've done that. Yeah, and then <laughs> I think just as importantly, he says then after the fact, maybe I won't. Maybe it's the silly little details that matter. And I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind. Sure. Uh, and so then he explains that DJD, which is where they are, um, is the Decepticon Justice Division, which yes. is, they specialize in extreme punishment. They hunt down Decepticons who dis- defected or deserted and murder them in the most exaggerated ways possible. Uh, yep. And so there's uh, two genericons. Yes, this is a great two-page spread. <laughs> right. Uh, these uh, guys are literally described as frontline fodder. Yes, like they're just, you know, robots who exist to 
the shoot and be killed at the front lines. Um, that's they're, why they're, they're generic. guys you fight in the first level of the video games. Yeah, who you're just like blasting through to get to a mini boss. And uh, so the Autobots are obligated to take them in because of Arnold's goal seven of the Autobot code. Um, Ambulon takes pity on them and Pharma doesn't. Pharma yes. is a phenomenal doctor. He's amazing. He's talented, but he is an asshole. <laughs> so, yeah, we can see even from that first panel where we see Pharma, he's very stern. Um, and this might just be me, but I'm like, Pharma looks, or not Pharma, Ambulon looks so handsome in that panel. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He's kind of got like a, a a... shoujo manga type of like (laughs) long, powerful, he's, he's like a yaoi robot right there. (laughs) Uh, so there you go. Ambulon, yaoi robot. Keep that in mind, everybody. I I want, Uh, I'm going to, the, the art for this episode is just going to be him with rose petals everywhere. My gosh, I should do that. I should make (laughs) artwork every week. That's a great idea. Maybe I'll do that while you're editing the show. Um, but yeah, and I know now what this one will be. (laughs) Ambulon, yaoi robot. Um, but yeah, looking handsome. So anyway, yes, we have Pharma who's like, no, get him out of here. And Ambulon's like, come on. Let's give them a break. Well, that they're unarmed and that their alt modes, we find out, have been removed. Uh, their T-cogs have been removed. Right, so, right. yes. The, so their their transformation cogs are gone um, because they were members of Triple M, which is a militant monoform movement, a religious faction who reject Adaptus by having their transformation cogs removed. What is Adaptus? I thought you might ask. Okay. <laughs> so Adaptus is one of the five deities of the Guiding Hand, who are like Primus essentially, you know, and Primus is like their, their God. Um, but yes, um, essentially divided himself into five different parts. And so those are the five deities of then the one guiding hand. Um, and Adaptus is believed to have forged Cybertronians and blessed them with the ability to transform. The other deities are, um, I'm trying to remember how to say his, it's like Epistemus, I think might be how you say his name. And he is of, he's like knowledge personified. Okay. There's Solomus, who is wisdom, Primus, who is the giver of light and life, and Mortalus, who is the bringer of death. And that is the guiding hand. So Adaptus is, yes, one That's of their intense. deities in the guiding hand, who is, yes, believed to have given them the ability to transform. So when you are rejecting him, you're saying, no, I'm not going to transform. And that's the militant monoform movement. Yes. Yes. So there you go. But I figured you might ask. And so I was prepared. <laughs> why? I mean, I, I, do we, do we find any more out about those guys? About like, why they would, cause that's what I was actually wondering is why. I don't know if they would reject him for anything more than there are just some bots who, you know, don't sure. believe Primus, who don't believe in this you know, this religion or any of the religions that the Cybertronians have come up with, or you believe in some religions and not others, or I assume you would believe in one and not the other ones. So that is generally how religion, that's usually how it works. Um, but you know, sometimes you can kind of be like, well, take a little bit, um, from different ones. But anyway, I, I would assume it is maybe just this, um, rejecting of maybe then the guiding hand itself, and this idea that there are then five deities to be worshipping. But I don't know. I can't say for sure, but that would be my guess. Wild. 
Yeah. Uh, but that's what I think is so brilliant about these is that they've, the fact that we have gotten so into the nitty gritty that it's like, yes, they have gods and different gods and, you know, multiple and, and, and some robots believe this and other robots believe yeah, this. And, there's people willing to fight over the, the mm-hmm. minutia of these gods and, yes, you know, some sort of uh, robot Protestant versus Catholic type deal. Yeah. And I just, I think it's really brilliant. So. I appreciate those little details. Uh, yeah. And so uh, uh, Ambulon is, is saying that, yes, their transformation cogs have been cut out. There's nothing, like, there's no reason we can't take these guys in and do something about it. Yeah. And Pharma's like, okay, just do the bare minimum and then get them out of here because I don't want to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that doesn't go well because there's something about a branched spark. Yes, I figured you might ask about that as well. Um, (laughs) So branched sparks, and they kind of um, touch on it a little bit here, where he says, it turns out they shared a branched spark, a sort of overlapping nervous system, and because they were close to full synthesis. So branched sparks are basically, um, okay, and we'll get into this more later, but when sparks are created, um, I assume it's like instead of one being created, two are kind of created on top of each other is what I kind of take it to be. So then the two robots that then have those share, it's almost like a Venn diagram kind of thing. Like okay. part of them is shared. We see other, the the robots we know, especially specifically in the IDW continuity with, with branched sparks who we have seen what happens with them was in, again, Last Stand of the Wreckers, and we find some bots in there who have branch sparks, and they can essentially, they can feel each other's pain. If, you know, one of them gets hurt, the other one can feel it. If, sometimes to the point, if one of them dies, the other one will die too. So then it makes it a little extra, you know, dangerous. Um, It's it's like a a and Zamot type thing. I'm sorry? They're G.I. Joe villains. Uh, oh. They're, they're... No, 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 no. Okay, yes. I got you. I got you. Yeah. The twins. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. Exactly. Um, Not that I know anything about G.I. Joe. I just am aware of, like, I guess, pop culture enough to know those guys. No, that's amazing. I love that you knew their names because I actually thought of them, but I was like, I can't remember what their names are. <laughs> um no, I love G.I. Joe. I love the the 80s cartoon. That's the only instance sure. of G.I. Joe that I know. Um, and what I know from Transformers when they overlap. <laughs> um, Hasbro properties. You know, that's what you do. That's why everybody's waiting for the ponies and Transformers and Jam <laughs> yeah. and Transformers. It <laughs> all seems the, the Hasbro-verse has to happen now. You know, I think it's a good idea. Um but yes, so branch sparks. And I assume when he says they're close, that when he says that they're close to full synthesis is that they just, it's like a sim- full synthesis being like their sparks needing to be close to each other. Sure. Cause then they talk about the fact that like if we conjoin them, it might save them. Like their sparks kind of need to be re-merged sure. together. That's, that's what I'm guessing from this text here. So, then, but does uh, that kind of kind of does that explain it? Yeah, I I, I think I follow that. Okay, uh, essentially, then, right, like almost like twins, you know. But if you then would share parts of the same mind and parts right. of the same yes nervous system, but in two separate bodies. And then after all of that, we get sort of pulled out of this diary entry, and uh, yes. We see Red Alert has an X on his face. We're not sure what that's about, but he mentions that there's First people aid. crying. That, what did I say? Red Alert? Yeah. Same I do the thing. same thing. That's amazing that you do it, too. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, that's weird. 
Uh, but he, he has this X on his face, which we find out about in a couple of pages here. Yes. Uh, and he's, he's walking away saying that people are crying themselves to death and that they tried their best, but it wasn't good enough. Right. Which is super upsetting. As soon as they said they started crying to death, I was like, what does that mean? And then we and get a crazy fun nightclub scene. And then we're the, the bar. Yep. A new bar. And there's a little W robot here serving drinks. So I have Jim, him written down as W the survey bot. <laughs> I think that's great. I think James Roberts is canon now. Perfect. W the survey bot. Give me a full 22 pages on W the survey bot. He can I show up a in spotlight. a little trash can exactly. uh, miniseries. <laughs> so W can get a spotlight. So. The trash cans can get a miniseries. Right. Perfect. Love I think it. that's great. Um, so, yeah. So we see Ratchet showing up at um, Swerve's bar. And I think it's funny in the instance of McAdams opening and now in Swerve's. Um, <laughs> yeah. We went from no notes. bars to double bars. Yeah. So both of my notes on either one just say, like, Blur opens McAdams. Yay. And this one says Swerve opens his bar. Yay. Because <laughs> they, they're important. We need a bar. Um, I'm just going to assume this one's also called McAdams. It is not, but... Well, I, it is to me, so... It's even better. It's just called Swerves. Perfect. <laughs> Swerves on the Lost Light. Um, <laughs> there's there's a, a, a funny sort of running joke here about the drinks being very small. Yeah. <laughs> At least, right, like, the one that he gives to Ratchet is, like, super tiny, which you assume is, like, a shot, but I don't know if maybe they don't have shots in their universe. I I would assume that there are shots, but maybe that this isn't a shot. Maybe, right, maybe it's, like, a cocktail it. served in, like, a yeah, shot glass. It's, like, the tiniest gin and tonic ever. Right, like, you can see Ratchet up against the bar, like, what? Like, he's leaned <laughs> down <laughs> to look at how small this little drink. This is either very small, very far away, or you've invented <laughs> the smallest drink ever. Which is so funny. Um, And then he says it's free, shut up, which is also funny. Um, and then we get into some last stand of the record stuff that you should probably explain to me. Yeah. I kind of got what they were saying about these death rate statistics, but only barely. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah, essentially here we have, um, well, first of all, they now know where they are. Like mm. the fact that Swerve gives him this teeny tiny drink and he's like, to celebrate finding ourselves on the map, which means, cause if you'll remember in the first issues, they were like, I don't know where the hell we are. We warped somewhere. Right. Um, they now know where they are at least. Um, and it's brought up later that they know that they are near Delphi, which is why first aid was sure. relevant in the beginning stationed at Delphi or Delphi. Um, it's actually so, Delphi. Uh, <laughs> it's weird, right? Oh yeah. No, that is weird. Um, so we can also see poor Ratchet's hands are kind of on the on the fritz. Like he he goes to lift the drink and they drop because they keep freezing on him. And he's you can tell he's getting a little more annoyed with it as time goes on because he's a medic and they rely very heavily on how deft their hand movements are and his hands keep failing him. Um, so I'm trying to think of because I have notes on all these things. So I'm trying to. Oh, we also have Swerve being a terrible roommate to Red Alert. And I just want to put all these things out there before we get to the, the stats that Ratchet received. The fact that, like, we already know Red Alert is, like, paranoid. Like, mm-hmm. we've kind of seen a little bit from him. And this fact that then Swerve is... He rearranged all the furniture when Red was sleeping. And then his new plan is to just wheel him into another room while he's asleep. <laughs> and then just act like nothing happened. Like, just act like, no, that's how it o- it's always been. Like, Swerve, you're a terrible person but also really super funny um 
And I also want to point out, because I feel like people kind of miss it at first, but okay, I don't know if you've noticed what's going on in the background of these panels, but you can see back in little WBot, little mm. W McSwervy, in that panel, we can see off to the side, Swerve is aiming like a grappling hug. And then we see <laughs> in the panel where it's a, a profile of Swerve and sure. Ratchet. We can see the, the grappling flying hug through the flying. Air. And then we see it return with part of <laughs> W Swervey bot, a tray and like things just flying <laughs> off of it. And then the next time we see a full shot of Swerve and Chrome Dome and Atomizer is back there. We can see Swerve is now holding little <laughs> W mix Swervey like bot. clutching him under his arm. And he's got, and he's pointing at Chrome Dome or whoever is sitting across from him, possibly rewind or atomizer he's got little drunk bubbles over his head so i just thought that was really funny that's i did not pick up on that till oh yeah that's right it's so funny like little things in the background like that it's hilarious um (laughs) so anyway aside from all of that yes they talk about the fact that ratchet got this message um because he he asks swerve if he was um kind of subscribe to this. Um, okay, so during Last Stand of the Wreckers, the Wreckers are, I think we might have discussed them before. Yeah, a, I mean, yeah. I at least know about them, that they're sort of the, the last resort shock team. Yes, absolutely. Hardcore absolutely. motherfuckers. So yeah, so there was one dude who was like super into the Wreckers and would like write almost like a fanzine of them and like <laughs> kind of talk about their exploits and he would write up this whole thing and then like if you were on his like email blast or whatever they call it um <laughs> his newsletter yeah his you would mail get the updates yeah, on what the wreckers you know were doing and it was just kind of this thing so we learned that ratchet was subscribed to it and swerve was as well and so they got something on that frequency on this mailing list essentially for what used to be the wreckers mailing list and <clears throat> it was a bunch of numbers which is why swerve just dismissed it mm-hmm. um but ratchet's like they were medical statistics and so he could tell that you know they the, the statistics started two years ago and they fluctuate between zero and 20 percent of patients dying every month which is tragic but it's within normal parameters like right. that's what's going to happen you it's a wartime scenario um but then the death rates start climbing and then they plateau and then they climb and plateau and so now he's saying that the the numbers he was given the more the most recent ones the uh, ones that are happening now are in the last six months like half of the patients who are coming in are dying which is insane and so that's where he's like something's wrong but the fact that they got this random kind of email blast sent to them that was just medical statistics they were like i don't know what this means um, but he knows that something is up. Yeah, seeing this pattern that there's exactly half of everyone dying every month. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a distress call more than anything else. Right, right. Like he figures they must have gotten it for some reason. And, um, so he's saying, I think it's time I made a house call. So that's kind of what's going to lead us into what's next. But before we right. do that, we stop in on Lil Roddy. Talking about, yeah. uh, we need to talk about tailgate. Right, this massive of drink of water. Tail- which one is tailgate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Rod isn't sure which one tailgate is. They're all still new. This is a new quest. Um, we can also see Rod carving into his desk with a knife. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I always thought. I was always like, I feel like Rod would be like an artist. Like, Rod would be that kid who just drew, like, and I was this kid. Like, you just draw all over your papers. <laughs> you barely pay attention in class because you're so 
consumed with what's in your head. You're like, no, no, I would rather draw a picture than listen to what my instructor is telling me. Yeah, uh, I've certainly been there. Exactly, right. Like, we all feel for this kid, This and he is a kid. Like, Rod's still relatively young compared to a lot of these people. Um, so, yes, he doesn't know which one is tailgate. And Magnus says he's about this high, and he he's like at his waist, you know. And he says, <laughs> "Square head, blue optics, spent six million years trapped underground, oblivious to the passage of time." Oh, that oh, tailgate. That tailgate. <laughs> um, and then of course he tells him, which is where we left off with tailgate, which right. is where that he wanted to be a Decepticon. <laughs> and. Rod is basically like, well, it's, I don't even know that they could do that. Right. Like, Rod's concern is like, Megatron's not here. We can't do the ceremony. They have to take part of your spark chamber to make your your, your spark casing right. to turn it into a Decepticon badge. And, of course, Magnus is like, that's not my problem here. <laughs> yeah. like, Rod's mostly concerned with, like, that's impossible. Nobody's here <laughs> to conduct that ceremony to make Tailgate a Decepticon. He can't be one. And Magnus is like, no, no, we should focus on the fact that he wants to be a Decepticon, which I think is kind of endearing and sweet of Rod to be like, nah, nobody's here to do that. (laughs) We can't. And and so Rod is basically like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Like, if he's a Decepticon synthesizer, that's sort of like half the people on this ship. Uh, Yeah. And... Magnus is right, like, like, look, something needs to be done because I'm Ultra Magnus and I insist on it. <laughs> Which is, yeah, you're not wrong. That's kind of how he is. Um, and then they, they sort of go through, like, well, it, it, Rod says, like, well, everyone's just here to find the Knights of Cybertron. <laughs> and no one is here to find the Knights right. of Cybertron. And Magnus points out the jackpot is here because he lost a bet. Whirl is here by accident. Skids, who um, knows why the hell Skids, Skids is here? Like poor yes. sweet baby Whirl. <laughs> he just he wants he he just means well. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, and then Rod turns back on him and is like, yeah. "What about you? Why are you here?" And Magnus says he doesn't know. He's yeah. not so sure anymore. And now he's kind of like, I should have stayed behind. And this next panel, I remember reading it for the first time and like almost imagining Rod, just because like in my head, Rodimus is very much Andy Samberg in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where <laughs> he's just very much, no, no, like everything's going to be fine. Don't Chill even out. Yeah. Like you let me take care of Tailgate. <laughs> like you just hang back here, Ultra Magnus, who's very much like Andrew Braher in that show. I don't know how to say his name. Um, but Captain Holt, essentially. See, I feel um, bad. I'm going to have to admit that I've never seen Brooklyn Nine. <gasps> oh no, it's it's really funny. I, I believe think, it. Right, like I don't know if anybody listening has watched it, but it's super funny. And yes, essentially the captain is very much Ultra Magnus, and Andy Samberg's character is super Rodimus, so it works kind of perfectly. So this is anyway. Like, uh, if if Andy Samberg was the chief and. Right, like, right, oh, which, good lord, that would be a terrible, like, I can't even imagine. Um, well, it would be the lost light. It really would be. It would be this. It would be poor Magnus having to be like, okay, this kid's my captain now. I guess that's what I'm <laughs> I'm living with. That's the choice I've made. Poor Magnus. Um, he, poor massive, massive Magnus. So now we cut to... Ratchet making good on saying he was going to make his house call, and they are on Delphi. He's got drift with him. He's got pipes with him. Good old pipes. Yeah, our first intro to pipes. Um, he's real cute. 
Um, they're flying across the snowy terrain. And Pipe's never been on a planet before. Ooh, which is so cute. And you can see he even, like, he, like, turns his M-A-R-B <laughs> yeah, to, like, feel the snow. <laughs> and he says it's wet and kind of brilliant. That's what how it feels. What an adorable little guy. Uh, so cute. Um, and then he brings up, like, isn't this the DJD stomping ground? Um... And he says that Swerve saw them in action once, and he was so traumatized he couldn't speak for six months, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to him. Not being traumatized, but not being able to speak. Like, that was what was the worst thing. Well, yeah, naturally. Uh, and so they, they come across this big old building and yeah. with a giant red X on it. Huge X on it, which you would think. Right. Maybe people. maybe don't don't approach, but not Pipes. Right. Pipes, he's like, all right, let's have fun. And he just yeah. barrels through. He blasts right through because he's like, all right, I'm going to take the initiative here. I'm trying to be impulsive. He's like, come on, guys, road trip. <laughs> So we blast through. We can see Drift definitely hopping away because he's a ninja or whatever is the equivalent when you're a robot. Yeah. And Ratchet just running. So they both get out of Pipes' way before he blasts through this wall and is immediately surrounded by poor dead robots. Tons and tons of corpses. Which is super sad. And he's like, I think I'm covered in dead people, which is true. (laughs) He is. And uh, Ratchet's like, that symbol on the door means plague. (laughs) It means stay the hell away in about a billion languages. (laughs) And yes, not ram raid the morgue. That is not what it means. Um, He's like, am I infected? And he's like, I don't know. Probably not. Hopefully not. (laughs) Pipe says, what about definitely not? Because that's my favorite. Um, So then we see this bot then kind of come towards pipes some kind of shambling yes uh looking at him his face kind of looks like a a leopard of some kind so i'm gonna assume he was an animal guy oh yeah i don't know i'm trying to look at his his form oh oh you're right in that picture it does look like that yeah i don't know um so yes we see doesn't matter because he gets sliced up drift is like look out and murders this dude he like cuts him ninja mode yeah he absolutely does and drift or ratchet's just like what are you doing like (laughs) what was that and of course drift is like he was infected i don't know Um, i don't know what that guy was he's like no you you just we were a ninja uh so yeah so drift responded very quickly and we find out first aid has showed up because he's like i thought i heard bickering and he did of course (laughs) and uh, which is adorable so he finds ratchet and of course ratchet and first aid know each other um and first aid was down here to look for a patient who got away that drift just and Cut real quick, like there's a, a panel yeah. up here of uh, Ratchet oh, saying, yes. I know this guy. His name is Prowl. And Drift is like, Prowl? He's like, yeah. not the Prowl. This guy changed his name to Dent. He's like, yeah. Dent? Like a Dent? <laughs> He's, I, all the best again, names are taken. Transformers names are a confusing thing to try See? and figure and out. And I told you, I knew, you yeah. know. We've had this like, conversation last episode. But... It comes up again, yeah. The names. Some people are just named the same thing. And there was other I Prowl. This guy, like, maybe the other Prowl is younger, and he's like, no, you have to be other Prowl, though. <laughs> You're right, he might be. In my mind, Prowl's 
slightly younger than some of, I don't know for sure. I don't know who came at what point, but yeah, I was always like, no, probably be a little bit younger. Certainly younger than like prime and sure. You know, I was, yeah, I, but, that, but in my head canon, he's a little bit younger so than this guy. Instead of being like prowl, who he's been for however many million years, right. Is now dent dent. And now he's died. dead. Yep. He got sliced up, but he was infected. So I know poor baby though. Look at him. No eyes. I feel uh, so bad. Yeah. That's, I mean, we have first aid explaining some stuff here. Yes. It basically says like the first thing to go is the optics, which melt. Yes. So they have this like red, rust plague and right like their optics melt out of their eyes which is why it looks like they're crying and then the rest of their joints and pieces start essentially rapidly decaying and melting out of them and it's just like they're rusting they're rusting away very quickly but that's that's why yes and then we we move to the lost light and we get magnus and rod dealing with this tailgate situation which this first panel with look look at just the size difference he's, between magnus and tailgate he's, he's like so four little. of tailgate he's like 18 of tailgate <laughs> he's so big compared to teeny tiny little tailgate and like rewind is the same size as tailgate yes rewind's super tiny and i think even he's even smaller than tailgate because tailgate at least has a little bit of mass like tailgate's really little but he's he's wider yeah and rewind is tiny and skinny so like i mean he's a camcorder right like he's just and not even that like you'll see what rewind turns into um but yeah he's the he, uh, tailgate has this line here can i just say this is intimidating one minute i'm recharging and the next this guy <laughs> with fists besides about 50 regular fists says he wants to teach me a lesson <laughs> Which is hilarious. And the thought of, like, because that to me just says that, like, Magnus busted into his room, which he shares with Cyclonus. So who the hell knows what Cyclonus is thinking at God knows what hour if Tailgate's sleeping um, and is like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Um, but he literally means it. Like, we're going to teach you some stuff. You can almost really visually interpret this panel that Tailgate <laughs> is in Magnus's palm. Right. Like, he's just this tiny little guy has been, like... <laughs> you know like sh- herded here by yeah. this guy's giant hand <laughs> but uh the the whole purpose of this is rodimus is saying like hey i think you got a bad idea what the autobots are my buddy rewind he knows everything because he's been around forever recording it all let me show you yep and, uh, in 11.3 seconds <laughs> yeah so they they sort of pipe all of like major history into this guy's head yes um which and that was they kind of run through, you know, Magnus is like, what are you showing him? And Rewind says, everything. Well, everything that matters. Which and then it's just this list. Picture of stuff, if you ask me. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's it's a whole lot of, like, pretty wild-sounding shit. Right, which I can answer some of it. Um, I mean, not, we get a mention of our, our, our podcast in here. Um, it's true, we do. They do name drop the podcast. Anti-neural pogroms. Neutral, even, which means uh, that that was essentially yeah, um, him right. just killing neutrals because that was what he decided to do. Um, but okay, I mean, if we want, we can go through the list. But I don't want to like take up time <laughs> if we don't want. I to. mean, is there is there a quick way to do it? Yeah, I think I could kind of sure, break it down pretty it. easily. Um, okay, so we have Megatron's rise to power, which of course is is what it is. Like Megatron came into power. Sure. Um, 
the fall of the Grand Imperium. The Grand Imperium was where the Cybertronian Senate was housed. So we have the fall of that. So that kind okay. of, you know, um, uh, and then we have lawlessness or whatever. Right. Like the Senate was f- fucking corrupt. Like that's why this all started in the first place was that things weren't going so hot on sure. Cybertron. Um, we have Zeta Prime and the gunshot that killed a civilization. So Zeta Prime, Zeta became Prime after Sentinel, who was kind of the one who was really screwing things up and like being really like uh, Sentinel was what made things really hard for people like Megatron and who they were essentially trying to rise up against. Um, Zeta became Prime afterwards and at first, Along with Orion Pax, actually, you know, it looked like they were kind of creating some really great change. Um, they actually began the militarization of what was the new Autobot faction. So the Autobots kind of came into being underneath Zeta. Um, and it seemed like a change for the better, but he was actually awful in different ways from Sentinel, including preying on cyber- Cybertronian citizens themselves. And um, it wasn't until finally Orion and Megatron together teamed up to defeat him. Um, they kind of knocked him off guard, and it was Megatron who blew his head off with, or at least his face or something. But Megatron shot him with his fusion cannon, which I assume is what the... Um, the gunshot that killed a civilization means. Um, Declaration Day was essentially when Megatron went to Nova Peak and rallied the Decepticons, and it was what is, like, kind of considered the official start of the war. Um, Let's see, the fall of the first five cities, which were, and they say it right here, it was Voss, Tarn, Helix, Can, and Tesserus. Those were the first cities to fall to the Decepticon movement, army, whatever you want to call them at that point. Sure. Um, movement. Yes. So, um, Hell's Point was a Decepticon war cruiser, and on which and around there was this huge battle that waged, um, Megatron and Optimus Prime fought personally. At that battle, Optimus Prime lost half of his face, and the aftermath of which was so just harsh, Megatron was stuck in gun mode for two years. So, like, that was a big, rough battle. It gets a little bit revisited later. We'll see a little bit more of Hell's Point. Um, Triple M, of course, is the militant monoform movement. Um, Oh, sorry, and... um, the Samanzi, okay, so yes, then the Samanzi Massacre is a big one. It was a massive, just monumental battle. It decimated half of the Cybertronian population, like half of the race of Cybertron was killed. Yikes. Yes, in the Samanzi Massacre, it was gigantic. Bots were made specifically to fight in this battle. Like, we'll meet some of them later. So, like, some people were brought online specifically to just go out and fight and die in Samanzi. Um, by the end of it, and it went on for generations is what they say, like just tons of robots and it lasted so long. Um, Megatron was even, he remarked later that the, that Cybertron, like the lower hemisphere of Cybertron, like glowed purple after Samanzi, which essentially means there was so much blood everywhere that that was, yeah. So that was, that was a big one. Um, the Decepticons kind of won Samanzi. I don't know. It was, but it, it's big and it's a mess. So of course they were going to show tailgate that. Um, let's see. Oh, the retaliation was just then what happened after Samanzi. So of course the Autobots were going to fight back. 
Um, the rise of the consulate is the consulate was like a collection of Decepticon controlled planets that they just were kind of, you know, they went and kind of took control of different planets. Um, Starscream's attack on Luna one and then Soundwave's anti-neutral pogroms. I don't know exactly how to say that. That's a pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Bludgeon's army of deviants and half forms. Those are all just kind of like, I don't remember those happening for sure that I can like recall. But so I think those are just what it is. Like you can assume Starscream attacked Luna two, which is the moon that we saw in robots in disguise mm-hmm. where I, we know like an Autobot base was Starscream was essentially just wiping out neutrals, which is awful. Um, and bludgeon is like a maniac and he, I think he might come up later, but so yes, we can assume just that is what it is. Um, so there you go. And Rod says you put them all together and you get the uprising, the exodus, the remote age, the cataclysm, and the surge, which are the five dark epochs that pushed our race to the brink of extinction. I so hopefully that was a... You. I assumed yeah. at least a couple of those were fake. <laughs> really? I, I, reading this, I was like, oh, these are probably like weird in-jokes. <laughs> apparently not. So there you go. But so, like I said, I feel like those kind of last ones, if I did miss something that those are, you know, things that I am not, that aren't, didn't come to mind right away, that's on me. Um, but the rest of those, yes, actually are things that existed and at least were referenced at some point. So, so there's a, there's a lot more Transformers than I know. There's so much. Yes. <laughs> there's so much. Terrific. So yeah, so hopefully that wasn't too much. Sorry, that was like a blah, like just a, <laughs> I, an I, outpouring of words. I think I've survived. But, uh, <laughs> so the the long and short of it is that Tailgate's like, okay, well. Yeah, he's probably a little overwhelmed. <laughs> if you are overwhelmed listening to me describe all of that stuff, imagine how Tailgate probably feels having to <laughs> having see to all of it. Six million years of it in 11 yeah, seconds. Yeah, in 11 seconds. 11.3 seconds to be precise. And he's he's um, walking away from like the deceptive on shield and the Autobot shield and the Decepticon shield was crushed. He has crumpled it. Yes. Uh, so that's that's sort of I think all we see of, of Sweet Baby Tailgate. He comes up again later. Okay. Uh, but we go back to first aid. I mean red alert. No, I know it's first aid. <laughs> um, and so we're we're Amdon oh. is is sort of walking through things, talking to who is this? Right, like. We have first aid kind of being like, okay, here's a brief rundown of this plague that we have going on. Right. Um, and he talks about there was some melt, big... Everything melts. Yeah. And there was some big bang that happened. And yes. afterwards, people started getting sick. Um, and he's like, we didn't really have time to... You know, we thought it might have been the DJD setting off a dirty bomb. Um, but they can't work out where... And to be honest, they have other things on their mind. Which, yes, right. now we have Ambulon here working... Um, to try and keep a bunch of super corroded and rusted bots alive. Right. Like he's just trying to keep people alive. Like that's, that's their goal right now. Um, and we have Ratchet kind of inspecting them. Um, saying that the long term patients don't seem to be affected. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, which is weird. <laughs> right. It makes you kind of go, hmm, I wonder why that was. Um, and then. Oh, and so then they're talking, like, mysteriously, like, kind of vaguely. Like, I'd heard he was still alive. Um, and Ratchet says, I had hoped, for his sake, I'd sort of hoped it wasn't true. So whoever they're talking about, he's kind of like, oh, I kind of hoped this person was dead. Which is kind of big for a medic to be saying, especially Ratchet. Yeah. Like, 
So you're kind of like, what do they mean by this at this moment? Um, of course, it gets answered very quickly. But um, And Red or fucking, I just did it. First Aid <laughs> comes in and he's like, well, I have this idea called spark resuscitation. He's so cute. Little First Aid is like, <laughs> listen, exactly. That's he a, he yeah, has these like, giant jumper cables. He has huge jumper cables. He's like, listen, if we connect somebody with a fading spark to somebody with a healthy spark, we can jumpstart them. And that's what he calls them calls it is jump starting. Um, and he says, ambulance says it's too risky, but you're here now. Um, you know, kind of like ratchet will back me up and he will let me do this. Um, and he, he says he's going to use his own spark and, and that it'll work. Trust him. Yep. And that's kind of where we leave off with them. Yeah. yeah. And, and so now uh, here's where we see little yes, tailgate. This is again. where we get poor sweet little tailgate showing up with his roommate and good buddy Cyclonus. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yep. And and he's mad at him because he's like, yep. You lied to me and you said the Decepticons are great and that the Autobots suck and we're on an Autobot ship and uh, And of course Cyclonus is just like, Listen, you asked me about the war and I gave you the briefest of overviews of what happened. Um and he said and, that like you decided to pick a side. Right, Don't like Tailgate me. wanted to pick a side. And that there's Cyclonus no such thing as that. bad guys and good guys. Right, which is very important. And like I'm like, thank you, Cyclonus. You are preaching what I've been saying for years now, where I'm like, no. And you the Decepticons aren't party. Exactly. Cyclonus, please show up. You don't have to bring a gift. Your presence is enough of a present. Um, and and Tailgate yeah. is so mad that he sort of slams his fist against he like, him. He, like, punches him, but he's got these it little tiny fists. just makes a fists. sound effect. It's right. Like, you can't imagine it did anything besides annoy. he immediately apologizes. Like, I know. The Cyclonus just slams him across the room. He backhands him right across the room. <laughs> he's, he's just huddled up in the fetal position. And then he guy. kicks him. For good measure, yes. And Tailgate's huddled up, and he's apologizing, and it's sad, but at the same time, you're like, I mean, oh, you guys, guys. Work it out, buddies. So that's where we leave off with them. Poor little Tailgate, shuddering on the floor. We we cut back to the uh, Delphi crew. Delphi's. It's the Delphi set. That way. Yeah. Um, and who is this in the, the like weird glass cage here? Okay, so this is Pharma, because we start with Ratchet being like, what have you done? And Ambulon's like, I didn't do anything. He was in there. He was in the quarantine room when the Big Bang went off. So oh, essentially, right, right. Pharma, like, trapped himself in the quarantine room because it, like, shut down. Like, everything kind of went into lockdown when the Big Bang went off. And Pharma was stuck then in the quarantine. And Ratchet's like, you know you can override this, right? And Ambulon didn't know that. And um, Pharma's trying to convey something. They can't tell what he's saying because the the, cave, the glass that he's behind is too thick. Yes. And so he just writes on his hand, your friend is upset. Which, I mean, is indicating that, like, Pipes has become sort of a zombie and is succumbing to the rest. But I just think it's a funny thing to write on your hand. <laughs> I'm going to write that on my hand the next time I see you. I'm going to um, feel so bad. Oh. Like, oh, no, my friend. Like, which friend, Zer? <laughs> um, so, yes, we see poor little Pipes is, like, saying help me. And he's, like, shambling. shambling. Yeah. That's, like, the perfect word for it. He's shambling towards them. And he's saying he feels funny and he's scared. And of course, Ratchet's being a good, good medic and being like, keep talking. Talking is good. Tell that me means what, you're winning. Tell me how you feel. Yes. These sorts of things. Uh, Ratchet, you're great. No wonder you're CMO. Um, 
And I think this is an interesting contrast is now he's saying it feels wet and kind of horrible, which we had at the beginning. He was saying it felt wet and brilliant was the description of the planet, which I'm like, oh, poor pipes. pipes. (laughs) So Ratchet's now trying to break Pharma out of the... The, the quarantine the lock- zone. Yeah, the quarantine. And he's like, drift, keep Pipes busy. Keep and then poor alive. Pipes starts don't like, kill him. don't because kill him. It does look like Drift is about to slice him up. Right. Just... That's kind of where Drift defaults, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> he just clonks him on the back of the head with like the butt of his sword. He does. He transforms into a car really quickly to like drive around him. And then he transforms back into a bot, hits pipe in, Pipes in the back of the head, and is like, okay, now he's asleep. <laughs> it's very anime. It's so, yes, Drift Drift gives you feelings of anime a lot, sure. so, you know, just at least when he shows up, that's, you're like, <laughs> yeah, I get that feeling. Um, and of course, Abulon's like, we'll take him back and we'll get him a Nucleon feed and try to, you know, help him. And then we do have this panel. Again, I'm like, Abulon's really handsome in this whole comic. <laughs> um, and he's carrying pipes. <laughs> um, you know, he's got him bridal style, carrying him to the meta bay. Um, and then we have sweet Ratchet being like, I've got you. And it's his hand. His hand. Poor Pipes is missing part of his leg now because he's just rusting apart. Yeah. And um, leaking what looks like blood, but I'm sure is some kind of oil. I think rust. it's just their rust. Yeah. yeah. It's like their rust mis- mixing in with like their, I don't know if it would be like their transfluid or what, but, um, and then of course we have Drift being like, hey, Ratchet, I need to talk to you. And Ratchet's Stay like, back. you're going to get infected. And then we see, oh no, Drift is already infected and he's bleeding out of his eyes what he's crying cool right i know i saw that panel was like i've actually yeah like reinterpreted that panel before but this was many years ago but i loved it so much that was the point of that comment um it's just really good and then we see Farm being like thrown into the room yeah, and it, he says the uh, Decepticons, he's like explaining the situation. The Decepticons were waiting for me. They put me in the, the quarantine and all this stuff. Uh, yeah. And here's these Decepticons. Right, and it's like, uh-oh, those are those Decepticons that you guys took in. Um, You can tell by their faded badges, like they were talking sure. about, and their colors. The Genericons. Uh, yes. And so he's like, oh, no, they were waiting for me. Somebody had already let them out, and they let them out through remote override. Um, and so these guys show up with guns and are essentially like, ha ha. like, all right, we surrender. You got us cornered. And then first day is like, nope. <laughs> right. Like my friend here begs to differ. And you can see he's got these huge jumper cables on his chest and he's holding the other two. Which I can assume are, uh, it, I mean, I'm a bad person, but that's nipple clamps. That's what's <laughs> going on there. From this panel, but you can, I First mean, it, it's in the, boy. it's in the area. So, I mean, you know, assume <laughs> what you want, but then you have this just huge silhouette behind him looking real ominous. And then we see Fortress Maximus on the next page <laughs> and he's huge and he's great. And yay for Maximus. a very, here. very good monologue of saying, like, yes, my name is Fortress Maximus. Five years ago, I was attacked by a Decepticon so powerful. He redefined the world. He took me down hard. I was paralyzed, lobotomized and left for dead. And right now you two, you Decepticons are the very first Decepticons I've encountered since I was beaten to death. You're standing in the worst place in the universe. And that's where that's that pretty happened. cool. Oh, it's so good. Well, and when you... So what Max is referring to here... So he gets shortened to Fort Max. So if you hear people sure. talking about Fort Max, they mean Fortress Maximus. I it's do an easier way. 
Yes, Fort Max or Max, easier to say than his entire name. Um, but he deserves his entire name. Look at him. He's massive. Sure. Um, he's he's great. He's, yeah, Fortress fucking Maximus. Um, he is referring to, again, Last Stand of the Wreckers. He was stationed at a prison, essentially. Garrus 9 was where he was stationed. He was like a, like overseeing it and the Decepticons took it and kind of turned the flipped the script on the Autobots who were running it. And we'll, we'll find out more about this later, but essentially, yes, this was, this was years ago. So this is the first time Max has been online since then. And the way we last saw Max before this was, yes, the top of his head was cut open because they had, you know, they were going right into his brain. They were trying to get digits like, Sure, trying to digits out of him. Absolutely. And um like his optics were nearly burnt out, or they were, and it was just he was bad. He was in a bad way. And yeah, now he's back online. Obviously they kind of Yes. They they fixed him up in Delphi, and this is the first time now that yes, he's finally back online because first aid has brought him back. And these two Decepticons are the first ones he's seen since the guy who did this to him. And, and that, that is, is why the they are in. Issue four. Yes. Uh, that's our cliffhanger. And unfortunately, in issue five, we don't really see any of the fight that, oh God, he's tearing them apart. <laughs> yup. That's where we open on issue five. The very They're first page has Fortress Maximus. There's literally like a ripping spine. a guy in half. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pretty there's, gruesome. There's robot blood. There's spine. That guy is screaming. So he, he throws that guy aside. The other guy's running away. He grabs him and just puts his fist into his head. Yep. Uh, and Ratchet's, of course, trying to, like, talk him down very yeah, calmly. Like, hey, Fort Max, come on. Let's let's like, walk it back. Okay, okay. <laughs> this guy's right. literally begging for his life. He's like, please, 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 please. And he just smashes his skull right there. Yep. He just crushes him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ratchet's like, I think that's enough. Yeah, I think you got it, buddy. And Max is like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That felt <laughs> good, though. So, yeah, like, we see this moment, this manic moment from Max, and then he's like, okay, no, you're okay. Yeah, yes. we're good. All right, they are dead. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's how we open on issue five. Yeah, that's Which is why intense. we had to do it in this show, because... Sure, that's why we're doing uh, four <laughs> and five together, because... Yes. Sweet cliffhang. Um, Which, yeah, we don't want to do to you guys. And I didn't want to do to my dear friend Greg. So I was I like, we should it. probably just go together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and then yeah. we get poor boy Drift here, who's who's still... Yes, he's rusting. Yes. And we get this these kind of sweet little moments. Um, and I do want to point out this... Um, he brings up, he says, this takes me back, all the way back to Rodeon and you, you trying desperately to save my life. And that is actually something we will see later. So, hmm. right, because I, I just remember reading this being like, what? What do they mean? So, stay tuned, because we learn all sorts of things. I'm literally incapable of tuning to anything else. <laughs> Uh, um, so we get Ratchet and, and First Aid both trying to sort of fix the situation here. Um, First Aid's trying to fix Pharma. Uh, Pharma's like, get away from me. Yeah, Pharma's um, not having it. He's like, back off. And we have Ambulon with Max. Um, he's taking the head of the Decepticon that he has just killed sure. off of him. <laughs> he's like, don't don't move. You got a thing on you. Right. Let me just get this off of you. <laughs> Um, and then we see a gun at Ambulon's head. Right. And, uh, wouldn't you know, um... It's Pharma. Yep. He used to be a Decepticon. Yes. Pharma's like, listen, I know who did this. It was Ambulon. He used to be a Decepticon. Um... Uh, 
And so, as we will find out, spoilers, it was an Ambulon. It was an Ambulon. Poor Lin. I love Ambulon. If you couldn't <laughs> tell me, being like, he's so cute. <laughs> Look how handsome he is. <laughs> he's a um, doctor. You know you want to marry a doctor. Uh, right? Like, Ambulon's a pretty good choice. I'm just throwing it out there. There you go. Um, even with all of his chip paint, I don't care. Um so, yes, and Pharma's like, you know, he used to be a Decepticon. You know that, right? Ten years ago, he switched sides. Um, and that he was the, like, part of some prototype combining team. Um, and that it was all a ruse to infiltrate their ranks. So he's essentially calling Ambulon out and being like, this dude used to be a Decepticon, and now, conveniently, Decepticons were set free and tried to kill everybody. Um and Ambulon, of course, is trying to defend himself. He's like, right. I'm not a Decepticon anymore. And, and um, in the the Mexican standoff that's going on here, First Aid sort of shows up, and he pulls out a gun and points it at Pharma. Yes, because... Like, I think you're lying. I think uh, maybe you have some stuff you're not telling us, Pharma. Right, because Pharma, in just a little while earlier, in just the previous issue, said that those two monoformers didn't have transformation cogs. But right. First Aid has just found a transformation cog because luckily terribly fort max ripped that dude in half so his transformation cog was able to be found by first aid and he's like hey you lied to us they did have transformation cogs why did you lie to us and he's saying all the wounds that you have are self-inflicted by a laser mm -hmm. scalpel so right no one nobody attacked you yeah and He's like, Ratchet, you don't believe any of this, right? Ratchet goes, show us your alt mode. And, yeah. Uh, and Pharma's immediately like, what? what? And Ratchet's very, very adamant. Like, you turn into a jet, right? Show us. And it's because he knows. That the, the rusting is caused when they're tri the symptoms are triggered by reconfiguration. Right. Which is why Pipes got it after he busted down the wall in car mode and then transformed into a robot, which is why Drift started showing symptoms right after he right. went into a car to get around Pipes and then transformed back into a robot. That was what triggered both of their symptoms. And he, even first aid, is like, so the only reason I'm not dead is because I haven't transformed. Uh-huh. he says, yeah, but you haven't transformed because you can't. And he says, how'd you know? And yeah. And Rash just, like, lifts off 30 different reasons that are super right. subtle, but, like, super obvious to Ratchet. Yeah, because he's amazing, of course. He's the CMO. He recognizes all those things. But, yes, essentially, he's like, you have a malfunctioning transformation cog, I can tell, because of these 30 different things. And that's why, yeah, First Aid hasn't transformed. And then he points out that Ambulon hasn't right. transformed. And he says he offered to carry pipes to the ward, which he did. We saw him bridal style. And the fact that he's like, you didn't turn into a car. Like, you didn't turn into an ambulance to carry him. You just picked him up and carried him. Um, Ambulon explains that he has the world's worst old man. <laughs> he turns into a leg. He just turns into a leg because he was part of that prototype combining team. Right. Uh, ambulon from the verb to ambulate <laughs> to walk and it's a stupid all the best names are taken right which i like that like bringing that up again uh, yeah so now it's it's obvious that pharma is sort of behind this and he's he's the one who set all this up uh exactly and pharma now knows that he's been found out he right. knows that he's, he's cornered yes so then of course ratchet's like you can't shoot all of us he's like no but I can shoot this life support, and then all these people die. Exactly, which is what he chooses to do. And then we get this really great panel of first aid, like, being just totally drenched. Badass. 
and totally badass and being like, like, Ambulon, do this. You, do this. And he's telling everybody what to do. He's totally cool under pressure because he is mostly concerned. Yeah. Yeah. He just wants to keep these bots online who have now lost their life support. Uh, And so he's... Fort Max is like, what about Pharma? Fort Max wants to go after Pharma. Yeah, Ratchet's like, you go after him. Like, go get him. And then we have this really cute moment between Drift and Ratchet, where, which, you know, at the beginning of this comic, at the very start of it, um, Ratchet had been like, Drift, aren't you afraid of the DJD? And Drift is like, no, if I was afraid of them, why would I be here? And Ratchet's like, I've had people beg me to kill them instead of let them face the DJD. So, and now we have... He's not begging, but it is essentially dripping like, hey, if this is the DJD, like, essentially kill me before they get here. Um, and Ratchet just tells him, don't you dare, because he's like, you're not going to die. Shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> and it's real cute. It's it's definitely like a death in the rain, except that the rain is like a fire like, suppressant system. Yeah, it totally is. It's a little bit, yeah, it's just kind of a sweet moment, it's but also super sad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So we have, um, yeah, all of them kind of trying to help yeah, these bots. help all of them individually running around. Uh, and then we get to go back to good old tailgate here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and we do have, really quickly before sure, that, sure. Ratchet transforms into his ambulance, which right. we have the ambulance being like, don't, if you ha- if I have to get on my knees and beg you, I will do that. Don't turn into an ambulance. And he turns around and is like, oh, what? Because, of course, Ratchet has turned into an ambulance. He's like, right. it's okay. Just let me save these people because he's Ratchet and that's what he does. Um, and we see that Max couldn't further follow uh, Pharma and he's right. like, go get him. Like Ratchet did what he had to do. He saved the people that he had to in um, alt mode. And they were like, okay, go get him. And now we cut back. Yes. As you were saying, to cute little tailgate. Well, I'll tailgate. He's like, I want to be a Decepticon. And they're like, you don't want to be a Decepticon. He's like, I don't want to be a Decepticon. I want to be an Autobot. <laughs> and now uh, Ultra Magnus is like, so you think you have what it takes to be an Autobot? <laughs> now he has to deal with Magnus. Yeah. It's which... not enough that he just got backhanded and kicked <laughs> by Cyclonus, but now he's right into the lair of Ultra Magnus, duly appointed enforcer of the Tyrest Accord. <laughs> Which you can even see on his door. It says that entire title, and then it says "Wipe your boots before entering" because he's <laughs> Ultra Magnus, and that's what he cares about. And then his nameplate on his desk says <laughs> "Ultra Magnus, comma duly appointed forcer." It is so big that it just goes off panel, and you don't even see the rest <laughs> of it because it's such a long, stupid name nameplate, which is just hilarious, and I, I love it. A dick. I love it. What did you just say? I said he's a dick. He's killing me. <laughs> oh, he's so good. But yes, we get this. We have even like this brief splash panel of everything the tailgate has done. You know, he's like. <laughs> and it's just wild shit. Like tailgate's like the craziest dude on the ship. Right. And even Magnus is like, you know, I'm not easily impressed. But, you know. <laughs> a bomb disposal expert who studied metaphysics under Omega Supreme and a champion kickboxer who graduated <laughs> from the Ibex School of Epistemology. Which is one of the gods that we were talking about from the Guiding Hand. Epistemus. <laughs> I mean, little, little Tailgate, he's, he's pretty cool. Yeah, little Tailgate has got a lot under his belt. And so then he's like, if you're serious about this, and of course Tailgate's like, I am, regarding the auto brand. I need this. Like, he's I need ready it. to Obi-Wan. He's in. <laughs> it's true. So then Magnus starts laying out the fact that, like, okay, 
The, Let's get through the, the 10, Autobot Code yes, is a 10,000-page military manual. And Tailgate's so stuck on this 10,000-page number that it's just two identical panels of him saying 10,000. Magnus 000 is just saying, like, it's a framework for living and morality and addresses all aspects of Cybertronian conduct. <laughs> it's everything you should be. It's like 10,000 pages. <laughs> right, like, but wait a minute, 10,000 <laughs> pages. Well, and I think it's so cute. Using these tiny little panels where you can see that Magnus has a program that lets him align objects. Like you see him <laughs> adjusting these little pan, like these little pads. And then in the second panel, it's like objects aligned. So like let him know that like, don't worry. Now they're perfect. You're good, Magnus. Good job. You got them. Within thousandths of an inch. <laughs> yes. Which I think is just so adorable uh, and so I'm ultra sure Magnus. It's a centimeter being a British comic. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, but we do see this nice little, this last panel, uh, you know, cause Tailgate's so stuck on 10,000 pages and Ultramagnus is like, is that a problem? He's like, no, no, it's, it's cool. We're cool. You know, be oh, like, he, you know. he thought it'd be 10, like a 10 point plan. <laughs> One, don't do bad things. Don't be rude. Don't be a Decepticon. <laughs> Which is the cutest little, like, like, that's a summation of what an Autobot is. Right. Like, that's all you need to know. Um, <laughs> And we get this panel of Magnus kind of looking like a bit, like almost a smile. He's a little like, all right, let's get started. He seems to be enjoying himself. Yeah, like it's just going to be a few weeks of cripplingly intense study. And then it's done. Like, it's fine. And then he can't say the word fun, which is adorable. He's incapable of saying the word fun. He can't say it. Uh, and then we go to Rung's office. Uh, yes. And I, I, I didn't know if this was a flashback or what. I assume it is, right? Or no. So this first panel is in is now. It, right. Well, I, I, or it's, it's I, at least... I, you know what it is? I mixed up First Aid and Red Alert. Oh, did you? Yes. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't. I thought this was First Aid. Oh, my um, goodness. Okay. You're totally fine. Yes, this is Red Alert. <laughs> Right. I usually just confuse their names. Like, I know they're two completely different people, but well, I usually point, want to call I, I, them each other. They look the same to me, too. I, right. I they're both different, but... relatively the same size. They both have a lot of red and then white. First Aid, of course, has the mask. Right. Um, and that's a big, different thing. Of course, they have different parts to them, but that, that's a big identifier. I feel so, bad yeah, so for we... everyone who's listening and doesn't mix <laughs> them up that's going to mix them up from now on. Oh, no, it's true. Don't do that. If We've you ruined Transformers. Know the difference between them, don't let us ruin it for you. <laughs> um, but so, yes. Rung is, is reading the case notes on Red Alert. Yes. Uh, Red and he's Alert been... was hyper paranoid for yes. like 500 sessions. Right. Like super. So we see that Rung has been his therapist forever. Um, and yes, he talks about in session seven, he told him his name. Session 97, he showed his face for the first time. Session 113, he said he'd stop recording the sessions. But it's not until session 332 that he actually stopped recording the conversations. <laughs> um, so it, and 288, he told them the real name. Real name. Um, so we can just see from these panels, Rung is essentially just kind of giving this overview that he has been working with Red Alert for a very long time. Right. And he really thought that they were making some really great progress, but now he's afraid that the work is coming undone with what Red is now bringing to him. Right. He's saying that there's a noise and only I can hear it. And it started mm-hmm. after all the spark heater stuff happened. And you think it's quiet in this room but it's not like i can hear everything that's happening on the ship and yes. sweet baby whirl is just being lovely and uh terrific. having a 
An <laughs> argument with himself. A, a glazing row, which is a very British thing to say, James. <laughs> so British. <laughs> it's adorable. I mean, somewhere in here, someone says, oi. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. I feel like that was uh, that was Pipes. That was Pipes earlier, like yeah. when he blasts through, or like they get to the X, and he's like, oi. It's like, <laughs> yep, it's pretty British. <laughs> uh, but Red Alert but, is so basically yes. saying uh, the place where the Spark Eater was... Uh, there's something beneath it. There's a crack, and there's something coming out of the crack. And Rung is like, well, you showed me the ship, and the Spark Eater, where he was, is the lowest point on the ship, so there can't be anything under there. Uh, right. And then Rettler says, well, I, here, I recorded the noise. Uh, do and, you want to hear yeah. it? Yeah. And he's, I assume it's on an iPhone 6 with a transformer case, because that's what it looks like. I me. assume that's supposed to be like a, almost like a, like a thumb drive or something, but it's just really big, but I don't know. But you were right. I like my cell phone explanation better. Yeah, like, that's probably right. App on my phone. <laughs> and so he can't tell what it is. And it's just this like droning sound at first. He's like, he doesn't know if it's a weapon or a power source. And Rung is like, I know yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's, yes. It's like, that's a voice. It's slowed down, speed it up. And so it's just repeating over and over, uh, me kill, which could either be kill me or me kill. Yes. Which, when I first read this comic, I was horrified. I was like, oh my God, what is in the... Well, Which, because you'll like remember, an possible undocumented part of the ship, right? Well, and like from oh yeah, those pages, uh huh. Oh, the God. very beginning, they said don't look in the basement, and now oh, we have no. sound coming out of the basement. No. So cut to yeah, little Nell a few years ago going, oh my God, <laughs> that's in the basement. I'm so scared. Um, so yeah, they just something to remember, everybody. They did kind of warn <laughs> against Terrible doing effect. exactly what they're doing right now great uh, <laughs> so then we we cut back to magnus and tailgate magnus just is a being wall of tags incredibly specific about the the transitive verb in line three which begs all sort of questions uh and tailgate is like asleep right tailgate wakes up and he's like oh i just i was looking at tiny graffiti on your desk that said ultra magnus is an ocd control freak who uses learning to hurt people and he's like i thought that's what it said but it was just dirt and then and magnus like, freaks dirt? out like, oh my god dirt and he's like it's okay sir it can't hurt you it's gone now um which is adorable but then you know he says where were we and Ultra Magnus is like, we were on section 19 of the Tyrus Accord, subsection 80, paragraph 5, 1985, right. which makes Tailgate remember like, those... like, 1985? What? Yeah. And those guys who are going 1984. And yes. asks about what happened in paragraph 4. And he goes, no, that's, that's a redundant subclause. Don't worry about it. And he's like, well, what was the subclause about? And Maddie says, thought warfare, which yes. sounds ominous. It does, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> it does. Now, so... you know things I don't know. I do know things you don't know. <laughs> I know many things you don't know. But then you and I also don't know a lot of things together, in that's fairness. True. So so that's something to keep in mind. There are plenty of things that you and I are wondering about that I also don't know. Um, but, so that's up to you to kind of guess which things I do know and which things I don't know yet still. I'm just going to assume you've never read any of these. That's probably guessing the best. pretty much. I'm just like a really good liar. Right. You're just very good at making up everything I told you about the, the war. This yeah. guy's name is, uh, Tailgate. <laughs> he used to, uh, he used to work for Nova Prime and, uh, <laughs> he was a bomb disposal expert. 
And uh, I bet he was good at kickboxing. Yep. Then you call James and you're like, James, I need you to make him a kickboxer. He's like, fine. Or he's like, oh my God, stop calling me. How did you even get this number? (laughs) Uh, That's exactly what happened. How did you find me out? I'm really good at this. I'm great at Transformers. (laughs) And I suck at Transformers. Uh, and so then we come back to Ratchet and uh, Pharma. Yes, and we say Pharma has waited for him. Pharma is just a big queen, and he's, he's been like, like he's James waiting. Bond villain. Yeah, he's like, no, no, I need somebody to witness me doing what I'm doing. Right. And uh, there's a really good line. I think it's like the next page where Ratchet's like, or no, it's like two pages from now. Where Ratchet's like, I have been held at gunpoint by a lot of people. You yeah. talk longer than any of them. Right. Because it is just this long discussion between the two of them. We can see Ratchet starting to show the signs of this red rust. Right. You know, he's, he's like his... decomposed, his eyes right. are cracking. And, of course, Pharma's just loving it. And, um, you know, he's telling him all these things and, like, they're both doctors and that they've both made decisions that they had to. um, And he essentially tells him what has been happening at Delphi, why Delphi is still standing, despite the fact that it is right next to DJD territory. Right. Because you do, you hear about the DJD and you're like, okay, so they're these dudes who murder Decepticons without remorse why with this decepticon or this autobot medical facility allowed to be left standing and you learn it's because pharma has been supplying their leader who's obsessed with transformation yes he is addicted to transforming um which is you know and ratchet even says like you can treat that addiction and he's like i know but he doesn't want to be like their leader the leader the leader of the djd is addicted to transforming and you can burn out a transformation cog which is why he needs more because he likes like pharma says he just wants to get the next hit like sure and so he's, which, he's basically been harvesting organs yes he's been allowing bots to die or essentially in, kind of not actively killing bots but not exactly saving bots that he could have in order to um harvest these transformation cogs from them and supply them to the leader of the djd which i do want to sidestep really quickly and just Talk about how fascinating it was to first come to this. And I hope it's interesting for other people who aren't as familiar with this series. The idea of a lot of these things, like they bring up a lot of things in this comic specifically that have never been addressed before. And addiction is one. As I don't recall it, but the idea of a robot being addicted to transforming and like getting a high off of it is just really interesting to me. I think it's a new, you know, it's really... Yeah, that's, it, that's it a compelling humanizes angle. them. Yeah, because like, you know, either you know somebody with it or you've heard about it. Like addiction is a thing that humans understand. Um, and I think it helps humanize the bots even more. And yeah, it's something that we haven't really had to deal with um, before now. So then I remember reading about this name like, whoa. And the fact that he calls it an addiction and the fact that him wanting to transform is like him taking a hit is really like, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of shady. That's. Yeah, it's intense. That's new territory, yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, but that's essentially what Pharma has been doing. And through him doing this, yes, they have been allowed to live, and the DJD has not come at them. But then he explains that um, they, oh, he was, because Ratchet was like, why didn't you just leave? And he was like, I couldn't. I couldn't just leave and then have them look into this and find all this stuff out. So essentially Pharma was like, I had to get Delphi shut down. So his idea was to 
unleash this plague on Delphi so badly that the Autobots would shut it down and then Pharma would be free and nobody would ever know what happened. Um, so that's why he had Decepticons, Sonic and Boom kind of unleash this, um, a sound bomb that he invented, Pharma invented. Yes, that was the big boom that they keep talking about. Yes, was that it was an echo laced with a virus. And that was why we find out Pharma was in that quarantine chamber so that he wouldn't hear it. Right. So he's, he's as far as he knows, not infected until Ratchet says, uh, guess what? I just infected you. And Pharma's like, nah, you didn't touch me at all. And uh-huh. he's like, well, while you've been there monologuing this whole time, uh, I've been dying and you're standing in my blood. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, for being a comic almost like directly about action figures, there's some pretty like gruesome stuff going on here. It is. Oh, but that's, uh, it's why I love it so much because I'm like, oh, these people take it as seriously as i do and i appreciate that so much (laughs) yeah i mean i would i would not let a kid read this right like uh, yeah i don't know what the age kind of break would be before i'm like maybe i wouldn't suggest this comic to that person (laughs) i I guess it would also depend on how mature the person was but yeah not not exactly something for like like little kids like of course the new robots in disguise cartoon and things like that it's like of course yes let the kids watch them especially things like um rescue bots yeah that's for kids but these comics with their addiction and their rust blood and yeah a little gruesome like maybe maybe that's just for us (laughs) so ratchet gives them a good old sock to the jaw yep he punches him right in the face and is like you're infected now deal with it um and of course pharma's like i have a vaccine and and ratchet's like duh of course you do good give it to me yeah uh, and and Farma's like, well, what are you going to do, shoot me? You can't, because you can't shoot an unarmed combatant. It's <laughs> like, you're a doctor. And he goes, well, I can't shoot you because my hands barely work. That's right. not, <laughs> like, don't worry, I would shoot you if I could. Which I love. That's perfect. That's Ratchet. Like, Ratchet, yes, he's CMO, he's a medic bot, but he's also a, a business person. Like, Or, like, he's he's down a business. Like, he knows what's up. He knows this is a war. He knows... What you got to do. So he totally would have shot that guy. Right. If his hands were working. So <laughs> Pharma was. sort of, uh, sort of attacks Ratchet, escapes, get up there. Yeah. He has like these away. little guns that fling out from the sides. And then and I didn't them. understand. Okay. I like, I, there's a hologram guy, yes. a solid light avatar. Why is it a human man? Okay. So this has come up before in earlier comics, but like when they've been on earth and what have you, they came up with like holoforms or like when they're driving and they need it to look like somebody is driving their vehicle. Mm. They had these fake... So if they wanted to be robots in a disguise. Yes, exactly. So his was, yes, this, like, blonde dude who looks horrible here because, of course, he's glitching out and, like, dying. So his hollow matter looks really creepy. (laughs) Um, But, they yes, it's a solid light avatar. And he talks about how, like... Um, the only thing anyone would use it for now is distracting people. And that's yeah. when it comes up and like knocks him back and Pharma drops the only vaccine. Off the side of the building, which he's like, you're an idiot. We're both going to die. Yeah. And, and then, then, yeah. More monologuing. He's saying like, well, you're already dead and I, my hands don't work. I got nothing working for me. I got nothing to lose. 
And then he loses an arm. And then he's like, I stand corrected, <laughs> which is funny. Um, so Pharma falls because he was holding onto Ratchet's arm. And then the Ratchet's arm breaks off because he's rusting and, you know, falling apart. So Ratchet or Pharma is now holding onto the side of the building and he's kind of begging Ratchet to help him up. And Ratchet's um, saying, like, you got two options. Either you fall off and you transform and the virus kills you, or you fall off and you don't transform and you plummet to your death. Right. Like, choose. And as he turns away, we see Pharma brings out his guns again that he used just a few minutes ago to shoot him the first time. So these these hands-free guns that he has on his shoulders, and he's about to shoot Ratchet, and then Drift shows up! Yeah, good old and, Diane Drift. He's yeah. back, and he slices uh, Pharma's hands off, and Pharma plummets. Yup, and his hands are left there. Um... So yes, Drift saved, saves Ratchet. And then we can see, like, oh good, they got the vaccine because his little solid light avatar grabbed it. Like, Ratchet projected his little human down the side of the building to grab the vaccine before it could fall. And now they're saving everybody. Um, we see Rhett, or Drift getting help. Um, we can see Ambulon in the back helping Pipes. Good job. Everybody wins. Everybody wins, except for Pharma and the people who died before this. Um, And even to to cherry top the whole thing, uh, Ratchet gets Pharma's hands. He does, which is so funny. I do want to point out before that, um, or before we get to the end of it, um, we can see everybody on this ship kind of heading back to the Lost Light now. And it's Ratchet, and he's got... Um, first aid and Ambulon and Drift and Pipes and you can kind of see Fort Max there in the back. He's real big. You <laughs> like can see part of Fort Max. In the aisle. Right, like Fort Max, I don't know, just stand. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure that was fun for Nick to figure out how to fit him in there. I think this one might be Alex uh, still. Well, I'm sure it was fun for Alex <laughs> to figure out how to fit him in there. Um, but uh, oh, so yeah, so Ratchet kind of guesses. He's like, well, first aid was the one who sent the transcript and um. And Ratchet points out that he he knew it had to be first aid because he keeps quoting Physitron, who was the person who wrote the rec- the Wreckers kind of fanzine right. that they were talking about. Um, and yeah, so he was, and then first aid's like, he didn't know who was behind it, but he needed help. So that's why he just, and he knew that the Wreckers, the data log network was a secure frequency because he was the only Wreckers fan on Delphi so that nobody else would see um him sending out that information. Um, and now we get to this panel. Sorry. No, what were you going to say? Oh, no. I just, I have it even written here that um, it just says, my note says, no joke. When first aid says he could have saved Iron Fist, it breaks my heart a little every time. Like the first time I was reading this comic, just there's that panel where there's like a moment and then he's like, I could have saved him, you know, Physitron, Iron Fist. I think of that a lot. And it, Makes me so sad every time, um, which is kind oh, of a, my. it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of obviously a spoiler now for everybody who hasn't read <laughs> Last Stand. Um, but you kind of, you go into Last Stand knowing that like Iron Fist has a, um, terminal, uh, issue going on with him. Well, and, and it's so, not just called Stand of the Wreckers. Right. It is called Last Stand of the Wreckers. So uh, Iron Fist is not free from that. So yeah, I read that panel and was like, oh God, somebody could have saved him. That <laughs> makes me really, really sad. But the good news is, uh, Red, or, God damn it. <laughs> First, First aid, aid is uh, chief medical officer now. Yeah. Ratchet's like essentially like when I'm, yeah, like I'm passing this on to you because he was going to pass it on to Pharma. Yeah. That was part of why he went to Delphi. I was like, listen, somebody's 
going to have to do this. But he doesn't quite have to do it yet because sure. Ratchet got his hands back <laughs> by stealing farm Works for me. Which I remember, yeah, even just reading that now, it's still so funny. Like, it just reads like an old, like, 70s film title. Like, that's how Ratchet got his hands back. <laughs> like, it'd be real sassy sounding. I love it. <laughs> so there you go. That's issues four and five of More Than Meets the Eye. And I'm I so hope glad. everybody's a little bit more in love with it. Uh this was Transformers, right? Yeah. Okay, because I also read a lot of Transmorphers comics this month, so. Do you remember what they were originally called? Uh, the... <laughs> you don't! Bravos. Every time! You know, the, uh, uh Spaceotrons. Transforminauts. Yep, Spaceotrons <laughs> roll in. Yep. And get it done, buddies. And you, it's coming, and you gotta deal with it. <laughs> and it's gonna be cool. Uh, this is all the, the very famous catchphrase. Yeah. That was just part of it, of course. Right. It goes on. Uh, and so it just, uh, one more thing before we head out. The show notes for this episode, we're going to have the full reading order list that Nell made. Yes. It's lovely and perfect. Um, so if you want to start reading along with the Transmorpher bots, this is the time. This is how. It's never yeah. been better. Welcome. It's easy. It's the path that we're going to take. Yeah. Um, feel free to read along the same way that we are. Um, that's how you get to be cool. Exactly. All these years, people thought that you had to like be disaffected Do and stuff. not care about things and have a lot of money or not have a lot of money. People have made art for decades to try to figure out what popularity is. All you had to do was read this Transformers comments in the right order. How that's fucking it. simple is that? So you easy. dumb idiot. How? You stupid moron. It took you this long <laughs> to figure out. Craig, there are listeners. Don't berate them. Too late. You guys should it's be reading uh, Cyber Guys. Okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, bye, everybody. Oh, bye.